This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Her body was not found until only bones remain. This is the excruciating pain she has to endure. The killer mercilessly took the life of a girl who had just turned 20, the most beautiful age for a girl. As identity made the Japanese, American, and world public even more angry. Welcome back to our channel. Today we will explore together the brutal rape and murder case of a former U.S. Marine against the beautiful schoolgirl Rina Shimabukoro. Rina stepped out the front door of her apartment in April of 2016, and she was never seen or heard from again. The killer always denied guilt for his dehumanizing behavior, but the evidence and the stabbing knife in the back of Rina's neck denounced his barbaric crimes. So what motivated him to commit such a crime? The Rina Shimabukuro case has sparked outrage in the Okinawan community, where the U.S. military presence has been controversial. Protests took place, demanding that the Japanese government withdraw the U.S. military base from Okinawa. Join us through the door of darkness to unravel this case. You are all aware of my fascination with Japan by this point, and as of today, we will once again be visiting Niven. On the other hand, this time we'll be traveling to the extreme southwestern part of the nation, which is a region that neither of us has ever been to before. We hope you enjoy your time here on the southern islands of Okinawa. Now. I've always stated that Japan as a country has a climate that is incredibly different, and perhaps not many of you are aware of this fact, but northern Japan really receives the most snowfall per year when compared to any other country in the world. In today's case, we take a look at something that couldn't be further from this topic. Due to the fact that Okinawa is Japan's representation of a tropical paradise, it is a well-liked vacation spot for Japanese citizens who are hoping to soak up some rays of sunshine, ride some waves, and relax on some sandy beaches. In addition, the laid-back environment of the island is what sets Okinawa apart from other islands. Okinawa is considered its own prefecture despite having a population that is not particularly large. It is also a location that features a beach culture that is heavily influenced by Western traditions, as are the regional specialties that are served there. And oddly enough, you can even get spam and sushi on Okinawa because it's such a frequent ingredient in Okinawan cuisine. Due to the fact that about one quarter of Okinawa is occupied by military bases belonging to the United States, there are good grounds for Western influence in Okinawa. It is hardly a secret that the native people of Okinawa are dissatisfied with this arrangement because the military presence takes up 60% of their very small island, which is just 460 square meters in size. 
Okinawa is a laid-back island with a vibrant culture and great people. But this issue has been a source of tension between the United States and Japan ever since World War II. Other than this, Okinawa is a wonderful place. And it is here on this island in Aruma City that we come across a young woman named Rina Shimabukuro, who is 20 years old. Rina's residence was a modest flat with two bedrooms. She was a conscientious worker in a business office, which, given her age, was, for the most part, an extremely impressive accomplishment. She was a young woman who was highly self-motivated and had a strong sense of independence. Because she had a cheerful outlook on life while still being practical, she was held in high esteem both on the job and by those who were close to her. Rena was an only child throughout her childhood. She spent much of her time by herself, but was appreciated by everyone around her because of her nice attitude. When she was among the people she felt most at ease with, it was common knowledge that she would break out into some excellent dancing and singing talents. As she was growing up, Rena had a strong desire to have siblings with whom she could discuss her interests and activities. As she became older, one of Rena's primary goals was to have children, and she told her friends that she planned to have around six of them. Rena always wanted to have siblings with whom she could share her interests and activities. And it's possible that this chance presented itself far earlier than was anticipated. Rina's romantic involvement with a native Okinawa man dates back to 2015 at the earliest. Because of the way that Japanese media works and the need to safeguard people's identities, we are unaware of this individual's name. Therefore, for the purpose of this tale, we shall refer to him as Hinata. What we do know about Hinata is that he was courteous and attentive and he did a good job of taking care of Rena. This is something that we are aware of because Rena's new boyfriend was able to win over her parents so quickly. In Japan, this is something that can frequently make or break a relationship. The two were getting along so well with one another that ultimately they decided to move in together. They found an apartment in Aruma City and began to organize their lives together as a married couple. They fell into a comfortable pattern. Rina and Hinata would spend the weekdays working so that they could make the most of their time together on the weekends. In the following months, the couple characterized their relationship as happy and content and this pattern would carry them for several more months until an unexpected catastrophe would blindside their tranquility. In the following months, the pair described their relationship as happy and content. In the month of April 2016, on a pleasant spring evening, Rena made the decision to go for a stroll. She had been sitting at her desk all day, and she decided it was time to get some fresh air and exercise so she left the building, in the vicinity of eight o'clock. That evening, just before it became dark, she exited the house wearing her red shoes and a black parker and closed the door behind her. The messaging program line is the most common way for people in Japan to communicate with one another via text.
and it is quite similar to the way that WhatsApp functions in other parts of the world. Rena maintained consistent communication with her lover using the phone. She sent a text message to a lover informing him that she was going to go out for a stroll and that she would return later on in the evening, which was completely normal behavior on her part. She walked her regular path along the shore of a canal, taking in the peaceful views of the evening, including reflections in the water that displayed the illuminations of apartment buildings, commercial businesses, restaurants. On the other side of this canal was a commercial and industrial district that was home to a variety of manufacturers, warehouses, and shipping enterprises. Each and every one of them was laboriously working their way into the darkness. After work, Rena frequently took a stroll in this direction. It was natural for her to feel protected in this environment. And at this exact moment, Hinata was waiting for her at their residence in anticipation of her return. But as the minutes ticked by and the clock struck well, the young man's head started to be played by a persistent sensation of concern that wouldn't go away. Because Rena liked having her own space, he decided to let her know that he was going to sign out for the night by sending her a single text message at 2 o'clock, which, after a few minutes, was flagged as being in the red. This must have indicated that she was doing well. It's possible that she ran into a body and wanted to take some time to catch up with them. After all, in Japan, it's highly typical for partners to keep their emotions to themselves, especially when they're in a relationship. As a result, Hanada went to sleep with the expectation that she would either see or hear from Rina the next morning. After that, they might be able to chat about where she had been the previous evening and get caught up. But when daylight came around, there was still no trace of Rena anywhere that anyone could find. She hadn't gone back home, and she hadn't responded to his message either. Hinata felt uneasy about this, despite the fact that the message in question was highlighted in red. As a result, he got in touch with the neighborhood police on the morning of April 29 to make a missing person report for his girlfriend. Rina Shimabukoro. The police arrived at the home quite quickly, and once they were there, they immediately began their investigation by questioning Rina's boyfriend for as much information as they could get from him. At the same time that everything was going on, Rina's circle of friends instantly rushed to social media in order to start looking for their body who had gone missing. And before long, Rumors began to rapidly disseminate around the small, close-knit town like wildfire. As more and more time passed, many hypotheses began to emerge. Some people felt that cult activity was taking place, while others thought it was an abduction at random, and yet others thought the boyfriend had anything to do with it. And in the midst of all this hysteria around Rena's disappearance, the police made available to the public a number of photos in the hopes that someone would come forward with information leading to her whereabouts. However, as these first several days went by without any thought or indication, the hearts and minds of Rena's family, friends, and boyfriend began to fill with fear and dread. During the public campaigns, 
law enforcement continued to exert significant effort behind the scenes. In the end, they came to the conclusion that Rena's mobile phone had last vibrated when she had just finished reading the last text message that her boyfriend had sent her for the evening, which just so happened to be in the wee hours of the morning at 2 o'clock. It was discovered that a mobile phone had sent out a signal one last time while the user was inside the industrial area that is situated adjacent to the canal. The officers now had a crucial piece of information that allowed them to begin their investigation by interrogating people who were working around the crime scene and searching the surrounding area for any hints or evidence. Because of their efforts, they were able to notice something odd on a security camera that was located in one of the industrial enterprises. The camera belonged to one of the companies. On the exact same night that Rena vanished, a red SUV looked to be acting somewhat suspiciously, and after more inquiry, they learned that the SUV belonged to a U.S. military serviceman stationed in Okinawa, especially at the Kadeen Air Base. They were able to positively identify the owner of the SUV after additional investigation. Kenneth Franklin Gatson, or Kenneth Franklin Shinzato. Shinzato is his Japanese wife's last name, who was serving in the United States Marine Corps and was stationed on the island, was the owner of the automobile. Shinzato was 32 years old. Shirley Gatson, Kenneth's mother, brought him up all by herself in New York, where he was born and raised. Despite her best efforts, Shirley was eventually unable to provide enough care for her son despite the fact that she tried everything in her power to do so. Kenneth was a youngster who caused a lot of trouble. As he was growing up, he was a troublemaker at school. He frequently clashed with his mother, and he had temper tantrums on a daily basis. In fact, Shirley felt compelled to take Kenneth to counseling since this conduct had gotten to such a horrible point. In the documentation provided by the Upper Manhattan Mental Health Center, Shirley was defined as having cognitive limitations, and it was said that the two of them had a complex and intertwined connection, which made his treatment very challenging. Kenneth was ultimately placed in foster care in 1997, when he was just 11 years old. Because of his conduct, he moved through a total of five different foster families throughout his time in foster care. Kenneth moved into his own residence close to his mother's house when he was 18 years old and remained there until he ultimately joined the Marine Corps. He grudgingly served in the Marines for seven years before deciding to leave active duty in 2014 and take a job providing assistance to Marines stationed in Japan rather than returning to the United States. He chose to remain in Japan. And the reason for this is very reasonable because he had a chance encounter with a Japanese woman and ended up falling in love with her. After a while, the two were married, and Kenneth even took her last name in order to put more space between himself and his own mother. In March of 2016, the couple would also welcome a baby boy into the world. And despite the fact that his wife had strongly pushed him to discuss the matter with his mother, he never did so. 
Now we are in the month of May in 2016, barely two months after he had his own son. It was at this time that cameras located in the vicinity of where Rena went missing captured images of Kenneth's automobile in the area. So, why was he even in this place? Has he been implicated in any way in this matter? And what may have been the motivation for his strange behavior during the year? Instantaneously, Kenneth piqued their interest. But when he was brought in for interrogation on May 16, he categorically rejected any suggestion that he was involved, and he provided responses to all of their inquiries that were satisfactory. In spite of this, they did confiscate Kenneth's automobile in an effort to carry out their very own forensic investigation. However, the results of this investigation would not be available for many days. In light of the fact that there was no evidence to imply that Kenneth was implicated in Rena's disappearance, he was freed from police custody and allowed to go free. Under more typical conditions, you may anticipate that he would go back to be with his family at home. On the other hand, that was not what Kenneth had in mind at all. Instead, he went to a nearby pharmacy, where he bought an excessive quantity of sleeping medications as well as a bottle of whiskey that was two liters in size. You may probably make an educated guess as to what his plans were. The following morning, Kenneth made an effort to end his life by himself, but he was unsuccessful and was consequently taken to the hospital in his hometown. Unfortunately, things became even worse the very next day. As soon as he was discharged from the hospital, he was once again sent there after drinking two more bottles of whiskey in a single evening. This behavior is a reaction to the circumstances he is in. Kenneth wanted out of the position he was progressively sinking into, and he wanted escape by whatever means necessary. This may have been out of guilt, or it could have been out of fear. The outcomes of the tests that were carried out on Kenneth's vehicle were eventually available just one day after the second alcohol overdose that he experienced. The DNA that was recovered inside his automobile was matched to the DNA that was found inside Rena's house. The results of the tests were unequivocal, which was unpleasant for him. There was a match discovered. At the very least, this demonstrates to the investigators beyond a reasonable doubt that Rena Shimabukuro had been present in Kenneth's car at some point in the past most likely on the same night that she vanished. This indisputable evidence appeared to be too much for him to bear. Kenneth ultimately gave in as soon as the interrogation started, and with good reason. He revealed his role in Rena's abduction, and what's worst is that he informed authorities where they may find her, directing them to a sad and small forested area in Honor Village. He was the one who was responsible for Rena's disappearance. When the officers arrived, they saw black luggage. It appeared to have been flung over the side of the road like a pointless object, then abandoned into the underbrush of the forest, and lastly placed inside La Cerda, where the body of a young lady had been lying for more than 20 days in the blazing heat of Okinawa. She had become unrecognizable and had a skeletonized appearance. Later on, 
DNA testing was able to authenticate her identity, and sadly, it was determined that the body in question belonged to Rina Shimabukoro. The entirety of the town was affected by the disaster. We can all assume that they were hoping to find Rina alive and in good health when they went looking for her. These dreams, however, were dashed the moment reality set in. Kenneth no longer saw a reason to withhold information from the authorities when the body of Rena was found. He reported the incident immediately. And instead, he presented his account of the happenings that took place on April 28, 2016, as they occurred. This very evening, when Kenneth was traveling through the city of Aruma, he came upon a short frame that measured just five feet in height. Walking by yourself, during the late evening hours. You see, Kenneth asserts that even when he was a kid, he already had a fascination with macabre themes and fantasies to a quite revolting degree. He had fantasies of sexually assaulting women, killing them, and even ending his own life as a result of these fantasies. And to take things a step for there, he even entertained the idea of murdering his mother and even starting a widespread catastrophe in his head. In fact, he enlisted in the military with the intention of being able to take the lives of other people as a part of his job. The idea of kidnapping and enslaving women in order to satisfy his lusts had been a recurring one in his mind for a long time. And everything fell into place beautifully on the evening that he first met Rena. Everything was almost as if everything was planned or, in Kenneth's view, faded. She was pity, and she was in a peaceful place all by herself. He also had the means at his disposal to abduct her. Kenneth stopped his vehicle on the next road and then followed the woman as she fled on foot. When he finally caught up with her, he attacked her from behind with a metal rod. After grabbing her, dragging her to a neighboring place, and attacking her there, Kenneth threw her to the ground. But Rena had just partially lost consciousness. She eventually started fighting back against Kenneth and even called for assistance. At this point, Kenneth retracted his arm and initiated an aggressive physical confrontation with the helpless woman. And after producing his knife, he proceeded to stab her many times until she ultimately succumbed to her wounds and died. Kenneth quickly withdrew to his vehicle, opened the trunk, and removed a dark bag before proceeding to throw his victim inside it, after which he carried the luggage into the back of his SUV and fled into the night. And after traveling 20 kilometers, or 12 miles, he parked his vehicle on the side of a quiet road and threw the luggage into the brush as far as he could. Rena pretended as if nothing had happened over these 22 arduous days that she was forced to spend here. After that, Kenneth went back to his car and drove back to his house, where he was waiting for his wife and his newborn child. In the days that followed, Kenneth waited expectantly at his door for the cops to come and knock on it. But as the hours, then days, and finally weeks passed, his assurance increased. He went back to his usual life and began to entertain the idea that he could have gotten away with the crime he committed. On the other hand, as we are well aware, this was not the case at all. 
and not long after that, he was going to have to confront the total weight of the law. The killing of Rena drew a significant amount of attention to the U.S. There is a presence of U.S. military personnel on the island, and as time passes, there has been a discernible increase in the number of crimes that have been perpetrated in the United States. Personnel This disagreement started in 1995, when three different U.S. A girl was kidnapped and sexually molested by members of the Marine Corps. And ever since then, Okinawa has contemplated playing host to U.S. military installations. The assassination of Rina Shimabu Koro was not only a recent and fresh reminder of this concept, but it was also a very powerful example of it. And as a direct result of Kenneth's conduct, thousands of local citizens took to the streets to voice their disapproval. Gen Kai, this is not the country that we envision it becoming. Even though we are your friends and neighbors, we want the base to be removed before the court hearing. Kenneth stated that he had no intention of murdering Rena, and it appears that his only goal was to abuse her. Kenneth acted in a restrained and quiet manner for the entirety of his trial, and he frequently gazed off into space. The judge and jury did not believe the defendant's version of events and came to the conclusion that everything had been planned out beforehand. It was discovered that Kenneth had brought his own murder equipment with him when he went out late at night. This kit consisted of a knife, a baton, and an empty suitcase. And if his sole intention was to assault, why did he have these goods in his car in the first place? On this night, he behaved in a way that did not match the conduct of someone who did not intend to murder. Kenneth pleaded guilty to sexual assault that resulted in death and to illegally disposing of a body, although he rejected the charge of murder that he was facing at the time. Kenneth was charged with murder, sexual assault, and unlawful disposal of a body. Kenneth had every reason to be concerned, particularly because Rena's parents had advocated for the death sentence. It turned out well for him. However, this punishment would never be handed down to him. Instead, Judge Toshihiro Shibata would sentence him to life in prison on the grounds that there was no place for leniency in the case of such a brutal and pointless act. No one can refute the fact that Kenneth's conduct that night was self-centered and reprehensible, and his wicked acts cannot be justified in any way. It's possible that the hatred he feels on the inside for his mother is what drives his animosity towards other women. On the other hand, his wife never said that he treated her poorly or that she was mistreated in any way. And everybody in the neighborhood commented that the pair always seemed so happy and polite. So, what was it about Rena that set her apart from every other woman he'd ever known? And what was it about her that made him pick her over everyone else on that lonesome night? It is unfortunate that we will never know everything. Rena was a young woman who had recently accomplished the transition into full maturity. She was making preparations for her future, including her wedding and her family. She had a kind demeanor and treated everyone around her with love and patience. 
Rina Shimabu Koro's love and kindness extended not only to her family and friends, but also to her partner, who has been expressing his deep longing for her. Her nurturing nature, positive outlook, and polite demeanor were in stark contrast to the person who took her life. It is a tragic irony that a troubled outsider was the one who shattered her dreams and extinguished her spirit. The actions of a single person deprived Rena of the opportunity to achieve all that she was capable of. I am grateful for the chance to share her story with you. If you found this case to be thought-provoking or fascinating, please show your support by giving it a thumbs up and subscribing to the channel. What are your thoughts on this tragedy? I would appreciate hearing your perspective in the comments section below. I look forward to our next meeting. Until then, please take care of yourselves and each other. Goodbye.